This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. And welcome to the Bleacher Connection podcast with your host, Ken and Trevor, a part of the Unhinged Sports Network and proud partner with Fubo TV and Lids. As always, you can find us on social media on Twitter. Trevor's at the BleacherCon1, and I'm at the BleacherCon2, and our Facebook page, the Bleacher Connection podcast. On this week's episode, Ken and I are going to discuss our weekly That's Offside, where something in the sporting world caught both of our eyes in regards to our beloved CFL. It's NFL playoff time, so we're going to make our Super Bowl picks. We're going to wade into the world of the NFL playoffs and let you know who Ken and I think are going to go all the way. Uh, The World Junior Hockey Championship uh, finished up earlier this week, so we're going to have a quick review of that tournament. Uh, There's been some major, major news in the Major League Baseball, so we're going to have a little bit of MLB news and notes. And to finish off our episode today... Ken and I are going to go through some of our greatest sports movies of all time. What do we think are the greatest flicks that you have to see out there that are sports related? Before we get going this week, Ken, why don't you bring our listeners up to speed on our week in review? Yeah, well, for for Trevor and I, it has been a very busy seven days, uh, including right now. This will be our fourth show that we've recorded in the last seven days. Uh Obviously, the Bleacher Connection, uh, this one we've done twice, but uh, we were lucky enough this week to join together with a couple other podcasts, uh, Double Digit Hockey Podcast and the Blasty Cast, and record a uh, kind of a special edition episode of uh, NHL preview show for the Canadian North Division, uh, for those uh, also known as the Scotiabank North Division. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I covered the Canucks, Trevor, John, East Hope from Double Digit Hockey Podcast and Noah Adler from the Blasty Cast. They're Flames fans, so they had a lot to talk about there. But we also ran down the other teams in the division, and it was a great chat. I'd like to give a shout out for those who may not be following them on Twitter. We've got the Double Digit Hockey Podcast hosted by John East Hope. Uh, follow him at DD Hockey Podcast and at Vintage Johnny84. And the Blasty Cast is at the Blasty Cast. And follow at Noah Adler one on Twitter for great sports content. Yeah. And the, the other show that we did this week and it aired Friday night, uh, 6 PM Eastern 3 PM Pacific on exclusively on the unhinged sports net, network is two for chirping. And that's our, our new purely hockey show where we get to sit down with uh, Jimmy Pilato from far end of the bench and just, talk hockey everything that's gone on in the week everything that's coming up uh this week's episode coming up airing on the 15th we're going to start giving some of our predictions of who who we think is going to win and uh we're going to cover a lot of news and notes and have a lot of fun talking hockey and more importantly coming up this week my co-host ken is turning the big four oh oh you had to remind me yeah the, <laughs> <laughs> the constant reminder of getting older yes <laughs> That is happening this week. Ken and I, for those that may not know, we've been friends for close to 20 years. And, you know, I got to wish I'm not unfortunately going to be able to be there in person for my best bud's birthday. But, you know, Ken's turning 40 this year. And I think the biggest thing that I've noticed between, you know, in the 20 years I've known him is there's definitely a lot more gray hairs on his head over the course of those 20 years. (laughs) And uh, but other than that, it's it's pretty much been the same old, same old since since we met at at the University of Lethbridge in, I believe it was about 2003 or maybe earlier, you know, that that's about the only thing that's changed is, you know, we're both uh, a little bit older and, and Ken especially definitely has more gray hairs on his head. <laughs> yeah. yeah there, there's they, again, the reminders are very nice, Trevor. Yes. There is a lot more gray up top and uh, that's okay. It's just you know, it more dignified look, you know, dignified, if that's what you want to call it. I got it. I got to justify it somehow. <laughs> 
So moving on, we'll get started on our on our episode today, and, and that's Offside, brought to you by our partners at Lids Canada. With the NFL, NBA, and NHL all in full swing, check out the link in our link tree for access to great savings on all your team apparel needs. Ken, I think our That's Offside segment this week goes back to, I believe it was Sunday Night Football last, last week, and it was a quote from the commentary on during the game Ken why don't you uh why don't you take it off and and let everybody know what we're talking about here yeah so this was in the the final week of the season Arizona Cardinals last game they had uh Chris Strebler in there who for CFL fans you know the name he was Winnipeg's backup quarterback and he did a lot of the short yardage work uh wildcat plays he would run the ball he was in for Arizona, which as a CFL fan, you're like, okay, great. We're, we're getting a, get to see one of our guys in the NFL, get a, get a shot. Now to preface this whole conversation around it, Strebler was never a, a real big pass guy in the CFL. He he's more of a run type quarterback. And early in the game, I believe it was, he threw one up the middle, maybe a little ill-advised and was picked off and it was taken back for a touchdown. After that happened, Boomer Esiason made some comments about the CFL that really rubbed me the wrong way. Uh, the, the comments were along the lines of, this isn't the CFL. You just can't chuck it up the middle and hope it's going to be caught. And he really, he really talked down to the league. And I think to make those comments off of one pass is just completely offside. Yeah, what I really didn't like about that comment was in that very same game, you've got another CFL standout playing on the with the Philadelphia Eagles in Alex Singleton, who has a major impact on the game. And to to openly bash the Canadian Football League when you have multiple players who've played in the league playing in the game is and, and sorry, that wasn't in the same game. That's that's my correction. But you've got um, you've got CFL players making an impact in that league, and it's just so offside of him just talking down to the league. And I was actually really excited that I saw a lot of media folk come out, you know, right after it and after the game, pretty much calling out Boomer Esiason for if you don't know, don't talk about it, because the CFL does have quality players in it, and every season. The, we have players moving to the NFL and becoming full-time guys and taking spots of NFL players. So how you can make a comment about all oh, this, you, you may be able to do that in the Great Cup, but not in an NFL game is absolutely ridiculous. And just goes to show the ignorance towards the Canadian Football League by a prominent member of the NFL media. Yeah, it was a very uneducated comment because it doesn't take a long time as you said to realize the number of players that have come from the cfl and made an impact in that league go back to warren moon doug flutie jeff garcia uh, cameron wake the the list goes on and to criticize an entire league and take a shot at them because of one play i I, I, I was I was really upset about it. I, I you know I do think the CFL game I prefer it. I think it's I will say it is a better product to watch a lot of the time than the NFL. The NFL can sometimes be very slow, can be very be very unexciting. But the CFL, there's a lot of times where the last place team will challenge the first place team and it's a good game. It's a good game. And then a lot of times the players that do go down don't get a fair shake. Adam Bighill, former BC Lion, current Winnipeg Blue Bomber, went down, had a shot with the with the Saints. And from everything that I saw in preseason camp and the limited action he got when he did get in, I don't know why he was cut and then ended up back in the CFL. These are guys that a lot of times they get the token look and then they're they're released. And it's frustrating, honestly. I'm going to take that one step further on the not getting a fair shake. And I'm going to bring up Alex Singleton again. He came to the Philadelphia Eagles last off season and in training camp, he led the Philadelphia Eagles in tackles and he did not make the opening season roster. 
He didn't make it in as a permanent fixture until roughly week five this season. And in 11 games, he led the Eagles in tackles and he, he had a pick six. He was an like a prominent member of the rather poor Philadelphia Eagles defense, but he was still a, a rather prominent member of it. And he didn't get a fair shake out of, out of training camp, but he probably should have because he was one of the best players on that, on that defensive side of the football. Well, wasn't it Darrell Walker that went down who recently just signed back again with the uh, Edmonton football team? Yeah. Yes. We have our own insert city name here, football team in Canada. He, he didn't, he led the team in receiving in camp. He had a lot of good looks and they weren't short yardage passes. There were some deep plays and again, he got cut. So I think it's just, they, they give him that opportunity and they don't really, they're not really looking to give him a a real shot. Duke Williams went down a couple seasons ago to the Buffalo bills again from the Edmonton football team. And he tore it up in preseason and ended up not making the, the opening night roster which to me was is disappointing because these are quality football players. And I know in the National Football League, there's a major emphasis on we draft a guy, we develop a guy, we play a guy. And unfortunately, that mentality is, is leading them to miss out on some actual NFL talent where some of these guys aren't getting a fair shake because I wasn't drafted by Bill Belichick. So why should I get a chance on the New England Patriots? To me, they're missing an opportunity here to have an even higher quality football product on the field. And like Ken said, the Canadian Football League, for sheer entertainment purposes, is probably higher than the National Football League. The quality of play may not be as high and the quality of player, but for sheer entertainment value, it's tremendous. And I I think people are missing out, especially south of the border. If you get an opportunity on ESPN in the United States to watch the CFL, I highly recommend it. You will not be disappointed. Trevor, I I think you've had the same thoughts over the years, but a a game, a team could be up by 10 points in a game with two and a half minutes to go. And you're like, Ooh, this ain't over. There's been so many times where we've seen games that have had, what you would think is a insurmountable lead end up losing. Like you do not leave a CFL game until it's over. The players are in the locker room and they're turning off the lights because it isn't over until then. I've seen just this, not last season, the season season before I, I personally was in the stands in McMahon stadium in Calgary to watch the Calgary Stampeders erase a 17 point deficit in four minutes to the, the British Columbia lions I was also in the stands when the Montreal Alouettes erased a 14-point deficit and won the game against the Calgary Stampeders in the final about two minutes. So from start to finish, end of the game, every play is exciting because we have a shorter play clock, so you get more more plays. And the game's not over until the final gun blows or sounds, and that is so true of that league. Absolutely. So if you agree with us, disagree with us, let us know on Twitter at the BleacherCon1, at the BleacherCon2. Let us know what you think. Was Boomer right? We don't think so. But uh, let us know what you think on that one. And in keeping with our theme of football, Ken, the NFL playoffs are in in full gear right now. And I guess we'd, we'd be missing the boat here if we didn't put out our Super Bowl predictions. By no means am I going to claim to be a uh, an NFL aficionado and expert. But I do think I I know enough about the league to definitely make some educated guesses as to who I believe will go all the way and face off in the Super Bowl. Um, Before we get going, Ken, who do you think is going to make the Super Bowl? And and do you have any dark horse upsets that you think might happen through the course of the NFL playoffs? Yeah, so just to go, there there is a reason we are not on NFL Unhinged on the network exclusive show. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Well, we are recording this uh, after three games have been played. The Saturday games have been played. So I will not pick my Seahawks to uh, advance. I think <laughs> probably that would a be good choice. Ill-advised pick. But I do have in the Super Bowl, the Green Bay Packers versus the Kansas City Chiefs. That is my pick for who's going to make it there. And I have the Chiefs repeating this year. As for upsets, I have the Browns today as we're recording 
have the Browns over the Steelers, and I have the Chicago Bears upsetting the New Orleans Saints. And again, there's a reason we're not on uh, NFL Unhinged. <laughs> to me, Those there's two no picks way. Might have been right there. there. There's no way the the the, the Bears are going to beat the uh, the Saints. I just. Uh, they have a good defense. I'll give them that, but their ability to move the ball and especially that game's in New Orleans where, you know, Drew Brees, Michael Thomas, I just don't, I don't see it happening. Alvin Kamara's healthy. So they don't have the crowd though. They don't have, yeah, the crowd very advantage. fair points. I just, I can't see the bears who can barely get five first downs in a game, knocking off the uh, New Orleans saints. Um, I, I can get on board with your Cleveland Browns pick because I actually think they're going to win today too. I think the, the Pittsburgh Steelers were at the time the most overrated. I think it was 11 or no before they went on their yep. little uh, losing streak. I think they were a highly overrated 11 or no team. Uh, they can't run the ball to save their lives and come NFL playoff football time, especially in a cold weather game that really could bite them in the ass. So I know the Browns are dealing with some COVID issues that appear to be cleared up, but I could definitely get on board uh, with the Browns game. Uh, Ken, I think you wanted to jump back in on the on the Bears there. What I was going to say is, if unless New Orleans has hired the executive from Atlanta who was pumping in the 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 cra- extra crowd noise on top of the crowd, uh, <laughs> it's going to be a probably probably a pretty quiet stadium there in New Orleans. And I, I don't know, I just it's one of those things, any given Sunday, a team can win and can the bears pull off an upset? Do the, do the saints overlook the bears and look to the next, next round. Anything can happen in the playoffs. We've seen it in hockey all the time. I want the saints to get through. Cause I do want to see round three of the uh, saints bucks, you know, Brady breeze. The first two games have been a bit of duds, unfortunately this season, but come playoff time, you know, I, I, I want to see Tom Brady versus Drew Brees. I so think, think that could happen. You think the, the uh, uh, Tampa's going to get past Green Bay? Well, ta- no, Tampa Bay is already through. They played the yeah. Washington football team yesterday. Yeah, but they would go on to play the Packers, though. Would they? Okay. They do. Yeah. Again, there's a reason we're not on the NFL <laughs> unhinged show. I did, look at, I did look at the bracket before making my pick. So that's okay. how. Uh, yeah, no, they, they're off to play the Packers. So that's. Uh, and again, if I'm wrong, I could be too, but I. Pretty sure that's how the the tree broke down. And uh, one of my big upsets that I think could potentially happen, and to me is one of the only teams that could beat the Kansas City Chiefs, and that's the Buffalo Bills. I think when the Buffalo Bills are going, and I don't think we saw the best of them uh, yesterday in their win over Indianapolis, they can score points with the best of them. And I I do believe the Buffalo Bills would have to do that to beat the Kansas City Chiefs because – you're going to have to be able to put up 30, 40 points potentially in, in a match against them to, to knock them off. And of the teams remaining Buffalo, I think has the best chance if they're they're They got the, the, their best lineup out there and, and playing at the top of their game uh, in regards to my Super Bowl pick. Unfortunately, I got to agree with Ken here and I've got the chiefs versus the Packers in the Super Bowl as well. And I've also got the Chiefs pulling off the repeat. I just, at the end of the day, you got Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league. The receiving core is absolutely deadly. Travis Kelsey, best best tight end in the game. I just don't see how a team's going to knock them off. They're they're just too, too strong top to bottom. Their defense isn't the greatest. So they are, I think vulnerable against a team like the bills who might be able to put up points right alongside with them. But let's see, they're the champs for a reason. And I have them repeating. Yeah. I think it's going to, despite how good the the Packers are as well and how Aaron Rodgers is going, I think, uh, yeah, the, the chiefs are still my pick. I think Aaron Rodgers has had an absolutely phenomenal season and is, is the clear MVP in the national football league this season. But when you look at the two rosters, top to bottom chiefs and Packers, You've got Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers. And that, and then it gets pretty – drops off a cliff pretty substantially past that, whereas I think the Chiefs are just more well-balanced. And if one guy's not going, then they have about two or three other guys to rely on. So Yeah, we haven't even mentioned uh, Tyreek Hill either on the Chiefs. No. So lots of weapons 
on uh, on the Chiefs side. So we'd love to hear from our followers and our listeners out there. Do you agree with our Super Bowl picks or not? Do you see any better upsets coming? Do you think the uh, Unhinged Sports Network should have us on the Unhinged NFL Network show? I'm thinking probably not. Yeah, reach out <laughs> to us that one. at the BleacherCon one, at the BleacherCon two, and let us know your Super Bowl picks. So moving on to the next uh, topic is kind of the review of the World Junior Hockey Championship tournament. Both Ken and I obviously were big uh, Team Canada fans, and the tournament didn't play out uh, quite as we'd hoped that it would finish with Canada losing 2-0 to the USA in the gold medal game. Uh, but Ken, why don't you give us a quick uh, a review of the tournament from your perspective? Overall, I think I enjoyed it more once it got to the playoff round because the competition was much closer. You didn't have such a gap between the teams. The games were closer. They were more competitive. I don't know. I just I think the tournament needs a revamp, in my opinion. I just those early games. And I don't, it's not to make excuses for Canada losing, but when your only competitive games come in the quarterfinal, semifinal, and final, there's a lot of games before that where you're just kind of, you really just got to go through the motions. They weren't pushed at any point in the round robin. And they, I mean, they were able to get through Russia. Then they got through everyone they needed to get to, to get to the final. But I just want to see a more competitive tournament. I, I thought, Canada played fairly well for the game. There was a, a, a time when the U.S. outshot them. I think it got to 17-3. to three. So I think there was a bit of a slip in that gold medal game. But I would say the, the final three games were quite entertaining. I didn't, I didn't catch the bronze medal game. That was a little early for me. I think I was still at work. But the, uh, the remaining games, they were, they were good, the semifinals and the, and the gold medal game. Yeah, the tournament to me was really good once we again got past some of the play-in round or the the qualifying round, I guess you can call it. There were a few too many blowouts for my liking. That happens every year. Do they need to revamp it? Possibly. Maybe just have less games where the the I don't want to call them the weaker nations, but kind of the the those teams don't have to play Canada, Russia, Finland, USA, Czechs, all of them. Maybe they only have to play a couple of them before. There's a bit of a, a, a thinning down of the, the teams. I don't think you need to get rid of those teams entirely. I just think you need to maybe not have them play quite as many games against the top teams. And if, you know, if you're getting over there and you get some of those, the Austrias of the world getting to play teams closer to their competition, they may have a better overall experience of the tournament as well. So I do agree with Ken with you on that point on, there might need to be a little bit of a, a revamp. I think Canada in particular really did not benefit because they didn't face any adversity until the gold medal game. And unfortunately that ended up costing them in the quarterfinals. They easily got through Finland in the semifinals. They easily got through Russia five, nothing. It that Canada did not face any adversity until the gold medal game and they didn't respond to it. Unfortunately, it cost them the gold medal. I, I don't think Canada played poorly in that game. I think there was about a 15-minute stretch with about 10 minutes left to go in the first period and into about the first five minutes of the second period where a Team Cat or a Team USA fed them their lunch. And the puck was in Canada's zone for pretty much that entire 15-minute stretch. To USA's benefit, they capitalized twice, and that was the difference in the game. I thought the rest of the game, I thought Canada actually played quite well. I thought they were trying to be a little too fancy, trying to score the beautiful goal. Sometimes you need a, a greasy, ugly goal, a, a shot from the point and a tip in front. If you look at the U.S. goals, they weren't, they were, they were greasy goals for the most part. And, and that turned out to be the difference in the game. The U.S. deserved it. I thought they did a really good job of keeping Canada to the outside even when we were in our in their end, and we spent lots of time in the United States end, but the defensive structure by Team USA was tremendous, and they deserved it. I, I can't sit here and knock that team and say they didn't deserve it. So, congrats to the USA on on the gold medal. Unfortunately, that's uh, five times they've played Canada in a gold medal game, and they've they've gone home with four gold medals, and they've they've got our number in the gold medal game. Yeah, that they do. I think the other part too is for Team USA, the Florida Panthers are now sitting back questioning the 
seven-year contract they gave to Sergei Bobrovsky with uh, Spencer Knight waiting in the wings. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. But definitely congratulations to Team USA and to all the teams that were there. And again, like, I don't say I don't think they should remove any teams or lessen the number. I think a restructuring of the format. Have six teams in your A division. Have six teams in your B division. And whoever finishes sixth in the A drops down. Whoever finishes first in the B comes up in the next year. And you can still have those development. Because there's tournaments that go on prior to the World Juniors for teams to get promotion into the tournament. So it could be just a good way to continue the development. Bring them to the big stage to be seen. But don't put them up against the top nations to get hammered on. I think of all the sporting events that I've watched so far that haven't had fans, I actually think the World Juniors was the event that was most affected by not having fans in the stands. I think in tournaments past, you see major highs and lows from teams, especially when the when the, the tournament is played in Canada to a packed house every game. I, I think you see highs and lows from every team's that are spurned on by the fans in the stands. And, and I believe this tournament was affected and the players on the ice were affected substantially by there not being fans in the stands. So I'm definitely hoping next year we can get back to that. I believe the tournament's being held again in Red Deer Edmonton. Yeah. They're going to get their, their chance to hopefully have fans in the stands. And to me, it just, it, it makes the tournament. So I'm hoping I'm hoping next year we can get back to that normal set that the normalcy we're all waiting for. So, yeah, you see it a lot where, I mean, these guys, they're still kids. They're not professionals. They haven't dealt with the crowds for years and things like that. And really probably tune them out better. So when you see the the crowd going wild over what you're doing, I think that really gets a team going and can, can spur a comeback. What's your take on, I know they've clarified what it was, but team USA brought out, um, a barrel onto the ice to take the picture at the end. A lot of people were saying it was a trash can, but on this, as they called it, and I'll call it what they said, a barrel was a picture of the team Canada logo. Well, what was your thoughts on that when you saw that initially? At the end of the day, the United States won the gold medal. And if that's what they had to use for motivation uh, to get them uh, riled up. And, and I guess they said they had to barrel through all these teams. If, if that's what it took to win them the gold medal, they did. I don't have an issue with it. It's all motivation. Uh, did they need to pull it, bring it out onto the ice for a team picture? I don't know that they needed to do that, but as a sense of motivation for the team, who cares? They won. They can do whatever they want. Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, I questioned it at first as to what exactly it was. Was it a trash can? What like, but then the coach did come out and explain it and it was like, okay, I get it maybe keep that stuff in the locker room because it does open up a lot of interpretation and it does cause a lot of questions uh, around it. So, yeah, totally agree with that. So what did you guys think of the world junior tournaments reach out at BleacherCon one at the BleacherCon two or on our Facebook page, the bleacher connection. Is there anything you would have changed in the tournament? Did it, did Canada play as well as we think they did? Was the United States full marks in their win? I believe they were, but we want to hear from you. All right. So this part of the show is brought to you by our partners uh, at Fubo TV. So what is Fubo TV? Fubo TV brings you hundred plus channels, including NBC, CBS, Fox, ABC, and ESPN and more without the hassle of a cable contract. If you want to check it out, click the links in our link tree on our bios on Twitter and start your seven day trial now. So this week in Major League Baseball, there's a couple of fairly big stories that have come to fruition. And one of them is being a very big trade in, in the sports world. And that's Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco being traded. Ken, why don't you fill our viewers in on the details of that trade for those that may have missed it? Yeah, so this is one that Francisco Lindor has been a, a player that you and I have been talking about a lot on the show, not on the show, because definitely someone you'd like to have seen in a Toronto Blue Jays uniform. Unfortunately, that is not happening as uh, Cleveland has sent Lindor and Carrasco, as you said, to the Mets. In return, Cleveland is getting Andres Jimenez, Ahmed Rosario, Josh Wolf, and Isaiah Green. Uh, Green is an outfielder. Wolf is a right-handed pitcher. 
and both Rosario and Jimenez are infielders. So as always with baseball trades, a lot of it comes down to is that's all it took. And then you can look at your own roster and start going, well, we could have given up something better. To me, this makes the New York Mets one of the top teams potentially in that uh, NL East. They've got real good pitching rotation right now that uh, starters one through four are either 1A or 1B guys on almost any other team in the league. Yeah, the I heard through the grapevine, rival GMs pretty much going, really? That's it? That's all it took? I heard them someone say, whoever made this trade should lose their job. Like, to me, Francisco Lindor is one of the best shortstops in the game, and you didn't even, in my opinion, get a major league ready piece going back the other way. And I understand the Cleveland Indians have some financial restrictions. I get that. And they weren't going to be able to re-sign him after this year. But are you sure you couldn't have got a little bit more for the, for one of the best shortstops in the game? It's uh, like you, you hit on Ken. Major League Baseball trades are always a trade me your best player now for hopefully four guys that will help me win later. And I look at this from a Toronto Blue Jays fan and go, I'm pretty sure we could have made this trade. Now, maybe we had talked to his representation and there was no chance that Lindor was going to sign in Toronto. And then, sure, I I get not wanting to bring him in. And maybe the Mets are very confident they can re-sign him. To me, the major story of this trade, and I actually saw this on Twitter, was New York Mets owner Steve Cohen pretty much put out a tweet right after saying, showing his excitement about this trade. And to me, I love that. You're talking about a billionaire owner relating to his fan base. And I think that's just phenomenal. And for people who follow me on Twitter, I I posted about it. I was just like, we need more sports personalities like Steve Cohen, especially owners who have billions and billions of dollars, but they do relate to the fan base. I think that is so good for baseball and just so good for sports in general. So I got to give a shout out to, to Steve Cohen right now. You're awesome, man. You almost make me want to be a New York Mets fan. I stress almost because, well, that'll <laughs> never happen. But that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I, I because of what you had started tweeting out, I saw a couple of his and he said, well, now that that's done, let's talk about something important, the black jerseys. And, and I think that was just showing the, the interaction with the fans because Mets fans have been very vocal about wanting that jersey back. But I think there was a comment I saw in there and I won't read it word for word because it's a little offensive, but one of a, I'm going to air quote this Mets fan, it seems uh, said, do you think that uh, this trade is going to put people in the stands? He's like, I don't think so. This team's not going to see any of my money coming up. And, and Steve Cohen's response was you promise. I just thought it was great. Like, (laughs) He went at someone who was criticizing it and, and just bad mouthing the team, his team, and and that I was never going to spend any money. And it wasn't like, oh, please, we'll show you that we're worth coming to. It's like, okay, fine, go away. We don't want you. I thought yeah, that was go ahead, great. get lost. Yeah, I thought that was awesome. Just I had a good laugh over that one and and definitely enjoyed it. I thought it was very uh very refreshing because you don't see a lot of owners very vocal in social media, and I think that's to try and make sure they're not being attacked for anything that they do but it is they say fresh to see someone out front and center with the fans as an avid follower of the nhl especially where the players and management and ownership are almost trained to be robots when it comes to what they say and do in in interviews and online to me it was very refreshing to see an owner especially and i know some people have been turned off by trevor bauer on Twitter as well, but I think it's refreshing to see an athlete, you know, very outspoken about what's going on in his negotiations and kind of trying to raise some excitement level about, you know, where is he going to sign? I don't necessarily always like what he says, but the idea of, you know, an outspoken athlete trying to promote his sport and an outspoken owner, I love it. And I wish there was more of it. Well, and it's just, it's refreshing to see from baseball because it is the sport that punishes personality. If you show any personality on the field outside of being a pitcher, 
you're going to get plunked. You're going to get hit when you go up to bat. If you celebrate a home run, there, there's consequences to it. There's repercussions because a pitcher is going to throw one at your, hopefully your hip, the next time you come up because you showed him up. Yet you have pitchers dancing off the mound after every strike, you know, strikeout they have. So it's nice to see some personality come into it. They need it. They need that personality to draw more fans in because it's kind of become a little stagnant in what they're doing. Yeah, we saw it this year with Joe Kelly when he walked off the mound after striking out, uh, was it Carlos Correa, the Houston Astros? And, yep. and pretty much giving the pouty face to him. And to me, that's gold. We need more of that, not less. But there, there was all the old school baseball fans who were just tore him a new one. And, and to me, that's ridiculous. Like, these guys are playing a game and getting paid very good money to do so. But let's also, these guys are people. They're human beings. They get caught up in the moment too so let's praise it when they show emotion because it's awesome yeah yeah i know it's uh it's nice i also i take i took issue at the beginning of the season when dusty baker in houston came out and said he wanted major league baseball to make sure no one got plunked and no one got hit for what happened in the cheating scandal and it's like come on man the league didn't hold them accountable let the players hold them accountable that's the way it should be if if not to go out and injure anyone that's not what i'm saying but there needs to be accountability and, and this is how they do it. And the, the rest of the league should be able to voice and do what they can do to, to show that they will not accept cheating. So the second major sports story that happened in major league baseball this week, and, and this one isn't a good story is there's starting to be some rumors coming out about an angels clubhouse attendant. And I believe his name's Brian Bubba Harkins, who was essentially allowing pitchers to cheat by creating an extra sticky pine tar substance that pitchers were putting on their hands. And essentially it's just another form of cheating in baseball. And unfortunately there's some pretty prominent names involved in this. You're looking at Garrett Cole, Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer, Corey Kluber, Felix Hernandez, Adam Wainwright. And I'm sure there's lots of others. Ken, what do you think of this? Well, I mean, again, we're here we are, another episode and another time we're talking about cheating in major league baseball. Now to the names that Trevor just read, this isn't rumored. This isn't speculation. Uh, well, Harkins is claiming that MLB has evidence implicating all of those pitchers Trevor just mentioned and more like there are some big names on here. And I just want to point out that if Justin Verlander is part of this and did cheat, he needs to go back and make a lot of retractions to what he said in the past over people cheating because he's been part of the Houston Astros world Se- world series winning team that cheated with a trash can. And now his name is being brought up in a, in a situation where as a opposing player, he was being aided to cheat. So again, like these are, he's it, Harkins has implicated these guys and apparently has given over evidence to show the story kind of goes off that not only did Bubba Harkins help the angels cheat with this mixture that Troy Percival, who was a uh, angels closer from 95 to 2004 acknowledged that he taught Harkins how to make the mixture of pine tar and rosin in a spring training camp. Now Harkins has been fired by the angels for his actions and some of the other things that he was doing. What I don't get is that you had a clubhouse manager working for Los Angeles angels who was aiding his own team and opposing pitchers the, there's a text that apparently has been submitted as evidence from Garrett Cole that says, Hey Bubba, it's Garrett Cole. I was wondering if you could help me out with the, the, the sticky situation. We don't with a, and he added a wink emoji. How cute. Uh, We don't see you until May, but we have some road games in April that are in cold weather places. The stuff I had last year seizes up when it gets cold. I I love baseball. I grew up playing baseball. Uh, This just makes me want to step away from the sport altogether as a supporter, as a fan, as someone who played it. I am tired of seeing cheating in baseball and nothing happened. We saw it with the Houston Astros. We've seen it with others. 
people get suspended for the most minor of things. Yet when it comes to cheating to win, again, close your eyes and look away because it's good for baseball. I am so disgusted by this. I am tired of talking about cheating in baseball, yet it continuously comes up. Yeah, Major League Baseball has a real problem on their hands and they need to get this figured out. It's a black eye for the sport every six months when there's another cheating scandal that comes to light. And these are big names. Like these are literally the best pitchers in baseball. When you're talking Garrett Cole, Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer, that's the cream of the crop. Like, I don't know what to say. These guys are cheating. What is going on? This has to stop. It's ridiculous. And it's tarnishing the sport. You, you turned a blind eye in the steroid era and that has never gone away. And that was a major black eye and you haven't learned from it and you haven't changed anything. I'm sorry, major league baseball, pull your pants up and do something. This is not good enough. I'm tired of reading about this. I'm like, Ken, I love baseball. I love watching games, but I'm getting, it's getting harder and harder to support this league when every every six months another scandal is rocking the league so get it together i'm tired of it yeah like the big thing too is what is it saying to the next generation of players it's not saying skill will get you to the bigs it, it it's nothing around that it's not saying your skill will get you there if you work hard you will get there no if you cheat if you find every advantage that is not allowed, you will get there. You will win. If you can be sneaky and deceiving and everything else, you will succeed. What kind of message is that sending to people? Like, it's just, I don't know. I, I just get so frustrated with it uh, time and time out that it continues to happen. And if, again, this is also an employee who was fired for his actions with the angels that is no longer there. Is it the disgruntled ex-employee who is now throwing things out there? We will have to wait and see, but yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's getting old, Trevor. Absolutely. It is. What do you guys think out there? Is baseball got a real problem on their hands? I think they do reach out to us on Twitter again at the bleacher con one and at the bleacher con two. We're passionate about this and we want to hear from you guys because I think there's uh, there's a huge problem in baseball and they have to fix this. So let us know what you hear or what you think. So moving on to our final topic of the day, and we're going to lighten things up a little bit. It's been a bit of a, a serious show today. And uh, Ken, let's go through some of our greatest sports movies of all time. I think there's a couple of different categories here. There's going to be your comedies. There's going to be your dramas. But, you know, let, let, let's run through what are some of your greatest sports movies that, that you've watched and have to recommend? Well, I know for myself, one that I've seen many a times, even as a, as a, as a younger fellow, as I am, as you've mentioned earlier, getting older. Uh, Major League, starring Charlie Sheen, Tom Berenger, and, and others, uh, Wesley Snipes. I don't know, I, I just love that movie. It is a fun, enjoyable movie to watch. Uh, I own it. I'll watch it anytime it comes on TV or if I'm going through a streaming service and it's there, you know, I might do it when the wife's not home. Cause I think she might be tired of seeing it, but uh, <laughs> that's not, I mean, that might tell you how many times I've watched it, but it's a great movie. I, I love major league. That's a, it's an all time classic. If, if you're a baseball fan and haven't seen major league, you're missing out. It is, it's a classic. You Ricky Vaughn and, Ah, oh, it's, it's so good, Ken. I, uh, I actually didn't put it on my list because I knew 100% that you were <laughs> going to bring it up. So I didn't even have yeah. to worry about it. Uh, one of the first movies, and I'm going to keep with the baseball theme, and I'm going to go a little uh, uh, more serious on this one. And that's 42, starring the late, great Chad Boswick, or uh, Bosman, sorry, Chadwick Bosman, sorry, and Harrison Ford. The story of Jackie Robinson signing with the... Uh, the Brooklyn Dodgers. This is one of the best drama movies out there in general, not even just a sports movie. I've seen it a couple times. It 
it just it tells the story of of racism in baseball, which I think is even more important nowadays based on what's happened in the last couple of years in the United States. For for those who haven't seen 42, this is an absolute must watch. Yeah, and I think it, it is it is a good movie. And I also think it is a good way for the for the younger fans who maybe don't understand why every year every team every player wears 42 why the number is essentially retired by baseball not teams but by baseball and there has been very few players that have been allowed to wear that number uh it's a it's it's a great movie it's not a documentary but it it might as well be pretty close to absolutely it might as well be a documentary because it tells the story essentially as it was and it doesn't really hold back either and that's what i like about it it doesn't give you this kind of watered down version of of some of the difficulties and trials and tribulations of jackie robinson it it tells it as it is so very well done uh, this yeah. movie yeah. ken what's uh, what's another great show well i think uh well i'll stick with the baseball theme for right now but field of dreams is another one that i really enjoy watching that's a uh, yeah, just the whole story around it. Kevin Costner, James Earl Jones. You can't go wrong with the movie with James Earl Jones. Um, but it's just a, it's a, it's a really good movie to watch. It just shows the, the bond between family and and just and people with sports and and what it can do. And it's, I think it's a great movie. I really enjoy it. Yeah, it, I can't argue with anything you're saying there. Field of Dreams is a, an ultimate classic for any sports fan and any movie fan in, in general, it's, you know, the, essentially the story of the, the eight men out that was the Chicago black Sox or whatever they wanted to call yep. it. It's just such a, such a great movie. And I'm, again, I didn't have it on my list cause I figured you'd have it on yours again. Um, I'm going to stick with one more baseball movie for, for me and this is actually my top sports movie of all time. Um, but I get it. I'll just stick with the baseball theme and that's Moneyball. Uh, Brad Pitt, Jonah Hill, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. I think this, this movie hits home to me because I'm a Blue Jays fan. And for so long, I've kind of had to listen to the, well, we can't spend big money. How do we win? Well, this movie is essentially a documentary of how the Blue Jays could have built a team. But again, it's centered around Billy Bean and the Oakland Athletics and essentially their dive into analytics to build a baseball team. And I know people have listened to Ken and I in the past and we're not the biggest analytics supporter, but that's that doesn't take away from this movie at all. It essentially showed how they said, I can use raw numbers to build the best baseball team possible for the littlest amount of money. And they were right. The Oakland athletics were a playoff team as a result. And this movie is just amazing. And it was kind of one of the, the, a breakout movie of sorts for Jonah Hill as well. And he's kind of really moved on to do great things. And I thought Brad Pitt as, as Billy Bean was just a phenomenal choice and character. So Again, if you haven't seen this one, you're missing out. Yeah, I, I may mute your mic here for a second so that you don't yell at me, but I actually haven't seen the whole thing. Oh, wow. And it's not because I, I caught pieces of it and didn't uh, didn't like it. I just, yeah, I, for whatever reason, I can't, I can't explain. There is no real reason why I haven't watched it. Uh, but for me, it is one that I do want to watch. I think uh, Draft Day, which I also have not seen. Yeah. Another Kevin Costner one. Uh, it just kind of shows that I, I know, like, you know, you kind of go behind the the inside baseball, if you will, of how the front office works. And I think they, I do I eventually will get to a point where I do watch those movies. Well, and she just brought up a really good point about this movie is it is kind of a behind the scenes look of how a front office works. And as a guy who's a sports nut and, and kind of a, uh, a financials of sports lunatic, you could call myself. That's one of the reasons why I loved it so much is I love and eat that stuff up when it comes to the behind the scenes. So I, you need to watch it, Ken. Yeah, no, I, they, they are on my list to, uh, 
to watch at some point here coming up in the in the future. But yeah, I just want to full disclosure, I have not seen Moneyball yet in its entirety. Uh, I kind of I'll move away from from baseball for my next one, and I think I have one written, one put down, but you can kind of go back and I've got Creed on my list, which might as well throw Rocky in there as well. Not all of them because after about three, they really started getting bad, uh, <laughs> like really bad. But uh, no, I mean the Rocky movies were enjoyed the early ones. And I started to think it started to get to a bit of a reach later on, but Creed, I really enjoyed Creed. And uh, it was just, a, a, it was almost the, a reboot of Rocky, we'll call it, but it was, uh, it was fresh. It was refreshing. And I really enjoyed watching that movie. And I'm not a big boxing fan either. Uh, full disclosure. I have not seen Creed. So if you want to rip on me for not seeing it, now's your time. No, no, no. I mean, Creed is one like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a good movie. It, it's, very similar to to Rocky, just you're taking it from Apollo Creed's son side now, and and Rocky is kind of the he's he's become Mickey, so it's uh yeah like I say it's it's a it's a newer version of Rocky. Nice uh, for my next movie, actually, I'm going to keep with the uh, boxing theme, and I'm going to go with the Hurricane, starring Denzel Washington, John Hanna, uh, Lee Schreiber. The story of Reuben Hurricane Carter. Uh, I'm not going to lie, before this movie came out, I didn't even know who uh, Reuben Hurricane Carter was. Uh, he was a boxer falsely accused of murder in, uh, I believe, it was the 60s. And he eventually was able to fight his way out of jail. Uh, Denzel Washington, this is one of his best uh, performances, I think, ever in, in a movie that he's done. And again, I guess I'm touching on the racism theme again. Such a well-done movie that didn't really, I guess, good way to put it, hold any punches. And uh, just a tremendous, phenomenal movie. You have to see it. I, I haven't seen that one either. I know the story of uh, Hurricane Carter because of the movie. It got a lot more attention um, when it came out. But yeah, I haven't seen that one either right now. Um, for me, I've got... I'm kind of going to put four movies there. They're, they're, they're the first and then the sequels. I'm going to put these two series together. That's Slapshot 1 and 2 and Goon 1 and 2. <laughs> uh, they're kind of very similar movies, so I'm not going to split them up into, into two choices. But if you're just looking for some fun uh, comedies to watch involving hockey... You can't go wrong with either Slapshot or Goon. I think it's, uh, they're just fun movies. There's no real thinking to it. So you can just kind of turn the brain off and watch and enjoy. I've got Goon on my list too. You've got Doug Glatt played by Sean William Scott versus Ross Ray played by Liev Schreiber. Again, he, two movies that uh, Liev's been in on my list. And just such a great show. Uh, Jay Baruchel he plays, uh, I think his name's Pat, who's just like this foul mouth hockey enthusiast who videotapes fights and, and promotes it. it. If you have not seen Goon, it is, it's a modern day slap shot. Yeah. But it's, it's probably, yeah, it's probably a, a more violent version of slap shot, if you can actually believe that. And that's tough. That's very tough because Slapshot yeah. <laughs> is an absolutely gold movie. Again, I had it on my list as well, mm. but Goon just takes it to the next level. And I think it just, there's a little bit better of a story in it, in my opinion. And I just, I'm with you on this one, Ken. Goon is amazing. For a hockey movie, you have to watch this movie. Yeah, I, I will say, I think my favorite part of Slapshot, the first one, is after the absolute team brawl in warm-ups uh they're standing there for the national anthems oh, at the beginning of the game and the ref is standing in front of the hansen brothers and mid anthem he turns around and starts reaming them out and again i won't repeat what is said but one of the hansen brothers just yells at him i'm trying to listen to the song <laughs> Classic the, ref movie just, moment. Yeah, the ref stops turns around so for, I'm going to move more or keep into the comedy theme a little bit more. And 
I think uh, Adam Sandler has made a couple of uh, sports movies that have to be mentioned in this list. The first one being Happy Gilmore. He almost revolutionized golf with a comedy movie. You go to a golf course now and you cannot go around without seeing somebody trying the Happy Gilmore. It is just an amazing movie. You've got uh, Julie Bowen in it playing Virginia Bennett, the kind of the love interest and happy versus shooter. Like what a great storyline. I, one of my favorite and one of the best lines ever in any movie is the price is wrong, bitch. Like, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> they yeah. punch out Bob Barker. Like this yeah, movie would, is gold. I was wondering if you're going to gloss over uh, the Bob Barker moment there. Not a chance. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I do have an Adam Sandler movie on my list and that's the longest yard. I actually, oh, I wow. enjoyed that. I enjoyed that movie. Yeah. Uh, I do. It's uh, it's one. I'll, I mean, I don't watch it as much as some of the other ones that I do, but I will, I enjoy that movie. It's a, it's a fun one to watch. He, and you're right. He does have a lot of sports related movies. This one, maybe a little more serious than probably the next one you're going to, I would think, but. Yeah. We, and again, we got the water boy, uh, same type of thing. You kind of got uh, the, the lovable loser, try to make it. And, and Bobby Boucher, turned you know water boy water enthusiast turned superstar like it's just a, a, a fun script but the way they they portray football is they just do a really really good job of it kind of the the love affair that that the the every state and every city has with football to me they hit on it so well and then they just the character choices in it you know you've got Vicky Viancourt as the love interest in this. And I, oh, I just, I can't Kathy, say enough good things about this movie. Kathy Bates was awesome in it. Kathy too, Bates as, was amazing in this. Henry Winkler yeah. was amazing oh, yeah. in this. So again, the water boy and happy Gilmore, I think are kind of one in one in their own, but they're, they have to be lumped together in this. So. Yeah. Yeah. One, one more for myself is I, I got any given Sunday on this one with uh, Jamie Foxx, Al Pacino and a, and a, host of others uh i i mean it's it, for me it's a good football movie it's a, a little more serious if you kind of any given sunday the replacements almost made the list with keanu and gene hackman but uh yeah those those are a couple football movies i enjoy any given sunday the replacements there are two ends one's comedy one's more serious so you get you get a little bit of both yeah i unfortunately haven't seen either i had one more football movie almost make my list but it didn't and that's varsity blues I oh, think going blues. back a while, one of the best football movies kind of ever out there. I'm sorry, the uh, the whipped cream bikini is is uh, cinematic history in my opinion. So uh, Varsity Blues is right up there in football movies. Uh, I got one more comedy that I think is the comedy of comedies when it comes to sports movies. And... That's Vince Vaughn, Ben Stiller in Dodgeball. <laughs> yes, the Ocho. The, the Ocho. There is so much that is just comic gold about this movie. If you can't, if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. Catches yeah. <laughs> a land. This movie has it all. The, the the true underdog story is what they call it, and it is so much that you got Average Joe and Peter Lafleur versus Global Jim and White Goodman. It's Oh, I love this movie. Anytime it's on, I have to watch it. It's, it's just, it's a classic. It is the comedy classic, I believe, of sports movies now that, that most strive to be, in my opinion. Yeah, Dodgeball's a great movie. I, I had that on my list as well, down at the bottom, for the reason that if it's on ESPN, it's a sport. So it's on the Ocho, it counts. It's a great movie. I and I can't believe I, I forgot Varsity Blues. I am I am ashamed myself for forgetting Varsity Blues. So I, I may have to go watch it again. Let us know what you think of our sports movies. Is there any we missed? Is there any we're giving too much credit to? Let us know what your favorites are on, on social media. At the BleacherCon 1, at the BleacherCon 2, or our Facebook page, the Bleacher Connection Podcast. We just want to give a reminder to all of our listeners out there to catch this week's episode of Two for Chirping, Friday exclusively on the Unhinged Sports Network. 
unhingedsn.airtime.pro or and follow us on Twitter at two for chirping where we talk hockey, hockey and more hockey. Yeah, it's uh it's a lot of fun. We got a, a little bit of a less hectic week coming up here, which uh get a chance to breathe and get some good notes for our shows. But we want to thank everyone for listening in and we'll uh we'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Thanks everybody.